Welcome to my testimony, and uh, today we have uh, not a special guest, one of, our, one of our best friends. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, welcome Barbara Samuels to my testimony. Welcome, oh, Barbara. Welcome. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Yep, we have known uh, Barbara for, for years now, and as a matter of fact, Barbara is good friends with my sister too even before she met yes. me yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so barbara so she's been in the family for a while for a while barbara <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's a pleasure to have you on my testimony and i know what you're going to be sharing with us today is going to be a blessing to all of us so welcome again thank you thank you it's my pleasure <laughs> So before we get into Barbara's testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you provided for us. We thank you for Barbara. Thank you for her life and for her family and for her testimony. And we pray as she shares with us today that our souls will be watered and that we will be blessed and that your Holy Spirit will be a part of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so Barbara, I heard you preach for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Thank you. And you touched a little bit about your story of the way that you were raised, where you grew up. Can you start with that, please, and tell us a little bit? Yes. Actually, I think I, I know I was blessed to um, have been raised by someone who was what, what I call a prayer warrior. Mm. Um But before my story even began, before I ended up with her, um, my mom, my biological mom, um, we lived together um, with my siblings in Kingston and she got sick, um, very sick, and so that she had to be hospitalized. And so we ended up um, in in, in foster care or children's services because at the time there were like... um, there's four, seven of us. There were seven kids and then my mom got sick. And so we ended up in, in foster care. My older brothers, they went somewhere else. Um, and then this is how the story started with the, my mom, who I grew up in St. Mary. She, at the beginning, wanted to, um, she was thinking she had a son and she just wanted one child okay. to accompany, mm-hmm. um, to raise with this child. And so the the it was presented that there is this family of four um, that they did not want to separate. Would she be willing to take all four? And she, you know, I hear my mom used to say, I heard myself saying no, Mm. but her mouth kept saying yes. (laughs) And so that's how we ended up in in, in this home. And she herself and her husband had just got converted and had just, um, moved from the city part of the country to this, con- you know, country part, because they, she used to be a, in Jamaica, they call a bartender. She used to operate a bar where okay. sell liquor for, and so she right. was converted at a tent crusade. Um, 
and so she wanted to start a new life, decided she was going to move to the country. And this was where the story started. Okay. Okay. Well, what, were you, uh, you were born Adventist? Uh, were your mom Adventist or? My biological mom? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. No, by no means. No, we grew up, we were in Kingston in the city. She was not an Adventist. The first, the first, um, Awareness I became with Adventists was when we when we were all as young kids. I think I was like five or four, mm -hmm. and I was like the oldest one. And my siblings were younger than me. There were three of them that, and they were all younger. Um, and so we we landed in an Adventist home, a brand new Adventist home. Somebody who was totally, totally like on fire for God. Okay. Wow. And so yeah. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So you uh, moved from the city to the country. Um, I know you were very young, but how did that affect you, though? Actually, at that time, in the beginning, it didn't. I didn't. We didn't. We weren't too young to understand. But as we grew up in the in the country, um, you know, suddenly here is this lady. Um, who had one son, now she has five children. Mm -hmm. And growing up in a small community, I mean, everybody knows that mm -hmm. she, she didn't give birth to these five children. Right. So technically, you know, small town, everybody knew that they were Miss Williams' children. Mm -hmm. But love, she had maybe 10 hearts. And so <laughs> she, she loved us in, in such a way. But of course, you know, one of the challenges that, that I... I we endured, um, or we made us bigger, is that growing up in a small community, sometimes, you know, especially in the islands, people say things without thinking about it. Yes, true. And so sometimes, maybe not meaning anything, but that caused a lot of emotional pain. Right. Especially for me, because mm -hmm. I somehow didn't see myself as being worthy or um, beautiful and you know it always made me feel like right. less and then the children you know parents talk children talk and mm -hmm. you know after a while i was just always in my head always thinking you know you know just just being sad and i remember i shared the story i remember one day when i was in that throes of just being sad and um, I was quietly sitting down and my, um, my mom at the time who she, you know, lovingly, she's the only one who would call me like Sabe. She says, what, what, what was happening? And I shared that with her right. and she being um, not a, what do you call a, a, a university graduate, but she was on so fire for God. And she mm -hmm. remember looking me in the eyes and said, you are a princess. You mm -hmm. are beautiful. And God has yep. a major plan for you. And for that moment, it's, it's as though something happened. She spoke those words into my life. And for that moment, mm -hmm. I believed every word she said. And I suddenly saw myself in a new light. Right. I saw myself as somebody who was not what everybody saw. I saw a vision in my in who I was that changed my perspective. So there was hardly anything anybody could say that could put me down for a long time. Because right. in my mind, I had a vision of a princess loved by God, and I had a mission, and I had to do that. And so that helped to transform my life throughout the, the the years my high school and you know mm -hmm. it was rough times but right. it, it brought it helped stabilize me amen 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 so you went to school in jamaica or how long i you? went to 
Yes, I went to school in Jamaica. Actually, I went to school in St. Mary in Highgate. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went to high school in the Kingston, back in the Kingston. And that, that was when I met my biological father, I think when I was like 14 or so for the first time. Okay. Um, and so um, I went to school. And then after there, I went to nursing school. And then I left Jamaica and I went to England. And that's where I, I studied um nursing and just mm-hmm. explored okay and then how after was, that how was that meeting with your father um that was an unusual meeting actually mm. <laughs> it wasn't like a meeting with my father per se i i have older sisters because i was the youngest of seven um okay. se- youngest of six on my father's side but okay. the oldest of four on my mother's side Oh, okay. So, <laughs> right. so um, my older sisters, who were by this time adults, knew that my dad had a child, but then and that my mom had died. So they went in pursuit of finding where I was, okay. and so that's how they I met my um, my dad because my sister and my sister who's still um in new york my very dear oldest sister hopi went made a mission that she was mm-hmm. going to reunite me even though she's never met me so that's how i met my father okay nice amen yes. amen that's good that's good mm-hmm. so you um met your father finished up school um then you went to england tell us about your england experience my England experience was very, very enlightening because I think I left Jamaica at the time and I had no family, no one there. I, it was an adventure because, of course, I was a new nurse and I wanted to explore and I wanted to go to school differently. And so I went to England and every step of the way, God aligned my steps because I still remember there was a particular lady who I met at the church who adopted me um, as her own. She didn't have kids, but it's like, I think that along my journey, God has always placed what I like to call destiny helpers. Mm -hmm. So it's practically every country that I go, I have mothers, many mothers. Even when I was in high school um, and I lived with my dad, there was rough times and I had a new set of mothers, which I call my Auntie Myrna and Uncle Lance, who right. raised me, took me over, sent me through high, to high school, and today who are still there. So along the journey, God has pre- provided destination helpers mm-hmm. to guide me along. When he says he provides for the fatherless and the motherless, he really does. Even if we may not see it in the moment as such, right, he does. Right, right. So w- when your biological mom died... Um, how, how did that, how did you feel about that? How did that lose? Well, my biological mom, when she died, I was very young. So we weren't oh, okay. quite sure. We knew we were little, little kids and we knew she died. But as I got older, then I started recognizing that now I did not know my real mom and mm. I wasn't going to be able to know her because, mm. you know, she, she had died. So during my high school year, there were times of emotional turmoil that, 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 that I had to settle. But as I got to be an adult, the Lord showed me mm. how he has always provided for me. Right. Um, you know, and it, it is such a funny story. And I, and I, and I still remember I was working at a hospital in, in, in the U S in, um, and I met someone just by chance who came to me and she says, you look familiar. Mm. I mean, by this time I'd not met any of my biological 
family, parents, you know, and she said, you look familiar. And she, she, she was very, um, she didn't really want to ask me, but she says, can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. And it so happened that she was somebody who knew me from before I was a little girl, before my mom in St. Mary. And she knew me by my face. She just said, there's something, the name and the face. She remembered my mom's name was Carol, had died, and she they couldn't locate the children. And that was the first time I get to connect with my biological family. Wow. And that transformed my life because mm -hmm. all this time when I was thinking that I was, you know, we, we, we didn't have that connection, God revealed to me through mm -hmm. that encounter right. that there his my steps were divinely ordered for mm -hmm. a purpose in that when my met I, then i met my older brother who I had not met because by then the other two had died from different incidents in the, in the city and i met my the older brother the one that was left from my mother's side and he oh. was able to share the story of mm -hmm. how basically how god protected us and he basically snatched us out of Kingston and brought mm -hmm. us to St. Mary. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so that changed my whole perspective of everything. I never, I didn't have right. doubts. I didn't have, because I could see the hands of God divinely orchestrated our steps and how he divinely had moved us out of the city, out into a home where somebody had just fallen in love with him. Right, mm. right, right. Wow. wow. Nothing by chance. Nothing. Right. Nothing, nothing. Yep. So you're in the United States now. How is that mm -hmm. journey for you spiritually? Yeah, how, how did you end up in the United States, by the way? Because you went to England and then did you go back to you know, first and then come here? Or? Well, you know, when you're young and you're single and you're exploring. Okay. Um, so <laughs> right. I was, I wanted mm -hmm. to, to do more and I've always wanted to travel and nursing afforded me that opportunity. So I ended up in the United States and at the time my, my husband now, but then he, somebody, my, my, my boyfriend I was dating, he was in, he was in another country. So okay. it was kind of closer <laughs> coming right. here. And so, um, from England, after I finished, the opportunity opened itself. As a matter of fact, I was interviewed from England by a hospital here and was brought over. And I ended up okay. in the United States working as a nurse in the emergency room. Oh, nice. And so that's how I ended up. But that's where my journey really took whole change. This is where I started to... Um, you know, most people would think, yes, you leave the islands and you leave and you would be further away from God. But actually, my encounter brought me closer to God. That's where I started experiencing a new way, a new, new, new love with God through the journeys along the way. Right. So and I ended up being in this country, working as a nurse and just just basically um you know, first living my life. And then I realized that I found no joy anywhere else. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I used to try to, um, you know, party with my friends and right. I would do all the things, but I would come home and I would be so empty. Oh. It's like the, 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 the partying was good for a moment right. it's like in the moment. Right. But the minute that music stopped, the minute I had to deal with my thoughts again, there was no peace. I felt there was a calling on my life that I couldn't understand. 
nothing could fill the void. And I didn't quite understood. I, it, w- it was a restless feeling. Nothing could fill the void. The only time I remember finding that sort of peace was when I was in the Word of God or if I went to a church service or I listened to the music. It's like it suddenly right. soothed my soul. But every time I left and I went back to do what I wanted to do, there was turmoil. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, so and was, I knew... Hmm? So what was your turning point? Actually, my turning point for really change in my life it happened (laughs) you know growing up in the church even after all of that Mm -hmm. you still are in that journey and up and down and truly truly what transformed my life and really stopped me to think i remember there was i was at plantation church and i was doing church i was doing church i was doing things like we all do going through the motion and there was one 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 preacher that came to church his name was Dwayne lemon Okay. And something he said yeah, yeah. transformed my life. I knew that I could not play church and play the world anymore. Mm-hmm. It's wow. like there was no, it's either I had to choose. There was, it was some, it was something I, I felt like he connected at with my soul, you know, um, even though, you know, other people may not have seen that, but I thought he came to plantation just for me just for you. Mm. and that changed my life forever because I then started searching deeper in the word for God and recognizing that the hunger that I had couldn't, it was, it's not being filled. I, I constantly was just searching and it was just, finally, I find something that was filling my soul that nothing else mm. could. Right. And that was our connection with God. Right. <laughs> you know what? I want, I want to explore that a little bit more, though, yeah. because um, cause it seems like when I'm hearing your story, I'm seeing my story, too. Um, you know, I was born and raised in the church, you know, grew up in the mm-hmm. church. And it seems like it's it's a battle that, that um, and even new converts, people that come mm-hmm. in, you, you get to, you plateau in your, in your experience with God. So... Up until you met Dwayne Lemon, up until he came to Plantation, what was the battle that was going on? What what was the back and forth? The battle was I would be church on Sabbath and I'm good. But then in the week I'm on the world, I'm doing my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't spend time in the word of God. I would just get my fix on on Sabbath Mm. and that would be it. And then... You know, I then 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 in my work environment, I, I recognized that it, as I was as I was um, rising in my my in my in my career, mm-hmm. I wasn't finding peace. So it's like it's always such a turmoil. I was on the outside; it looked good. You know, right. kids were fine, husbands were fine, everything. My husband, but there was no peace, and I recognized that the one day of filling was not enough. Right. And so the turmoil was I would still do my thing, mm-hmm. you know. I was in church, but I would I would not be in church. Right. You get what I'm saying? Of you course. were there, but you weren't there. Right. right. Because you were torn between the desires of the things in the world in such a way that you were unable to to separate it. Right. And that 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 was the t- that just changed my my life. I recognized I couldn't play church anymore. Right. Right. I needed more. Mm-hmm. And as I studied, I realized I still needed more. Right. Right. Wow. So what did you do going forward from that when you had that I, change experience? 
that's when I started diving deeper in the word of God. That's when I started really seeking God. And I remember one particular day when I was on my bed and I was um, going through like, you know, those you're, you're at your work and things and you feel like my husband would say something to me and I felt like it was about me mm-hmm. and you know every little thing the emotion went up mm-hmm. and the emotion went down it was like a roller coaster of emotion because I was so much in my feelings and mm-hmm. I remember one day I was just sitting on my bed on early morning and I was like God you're not even hearing my voice you're mm-hmm. not even talking to me you know and this is just and I was just crying and was just like mad at God and I remember I sat there quietly and I heard a voice said, Barbara, whether or not you feel that my presence is with you or not, I'm with you. And I remember turning around like, who said that? Who said that? Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> yep. Then I recognized it was the Lord was speaking to me. He says, my emotions and my feelings had nothing to do with his presence or absence in my life. Mm. How I felt at that moment, mm. whether I feel that he was with me, mm. it didn't change the fact that he was he there. What I feel that he was not with me, it mm. didn't change the fact that I was there. Right. Right. And that, I remember when it came, I wrote it down and I was like this. But I said, but God doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. But you mean all this pain that I'm feeling, it's not real? I was like mm. asking him, like, this don't make sense, but this is so real. You mean that you're with me and all of this? You know, I was kind of mad because, you know, that emotional pain was real. And, and right. here he was telling me, it, my feelings didn't have nothing to do with his presence or absence. Mm. So <laughs> wow. over time. I started understanding that the feelings and the emotional roller coaster that we go on was not because of God's lack of presence in our lives, mm. but because our lack of acceptance of his presence in our right. lives. Right. Right. Wow. And just trust in his word and his word humbly. And it, it comes because you have to seek him. You have to Believe it in such a way that I, I can't even understand. You have to believe every word that he says. Yep, yep, and yep. that suddenly started to change my Christian walk. Um, I noticed that I, my, a lot of friends that I used to party with started drifting away because I was no longer the party okay. girl. I was not right. fun anymore. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it just started changing, but I was being filled. I was being filled at, at a different level. And then I realized I needed to do more for God. I knew, I knew, I needed, I remember, you know, um, one day I remember sitting down and I said, God, no, I want to win souls for you. I want mm-hmm. to bring people to you. Mm-hmm. And um, then I remember the opportunity came for me to start teaching the children's baptismal class. And I'm like, but those are children. I, I don't want children. I want, want adults. I want, right? I want adults. <laughs> right. wow. And the Lord said to me, when you plant a seed into your children, it's like, it's almost as though I was snatching them out of the devil's camp yeah. at an early age. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, that's the picture that he kind of gave to me that by planting the word in their hearts and allowing them to come fall in love with him at an authentic organic level it's like you're literally snatching them out of the enemy's camp Mm -hmm. and so if there was one child in the baptismal class it was like i had 50. if there were 50 it was the same because i knew i had a mission 
Yes, yes, yes. And so the journey just just continued to to grow and in, in as I share God's word and I did became I became bold. I wasn't scared anymore. Even my story that I shared with you about my journey for many, 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 many years, I would never share that story with anybody mm. because I felt that that story defined me as being not good enough. Right. I felt like my background made me seen to the world I wasn't good enough because I came from this background. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in college, one of my friends said to me, something happened and she said to me, oh, you don't understand. You come from a very rich background. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. But I wouldn't share that story. I, I, I was ashamed of where mm -hmm. I came from. I was ashamed. And then the Lord had to show me that this is the journey he has brought me. And the first day I shared with somebody, Sardish, it's like a whole burden just was lifted. Right. Yep. And I knew that every step was ordered and for a purpose and, our, and that our experience was not for us. It was not meant for me alone. It was meant to help others to have that closer walk with God. Amen. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why we do my testimony mm. so that our stories, our stories here <laughs> is, is not for us, touch. is to yeah, help yeah. others. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to go back to the health journey. You are in the medical field mm -hmm. and I know now what you're doing now, but tell mm -hmm. us, t take us on that journey from I'm working in the hospital, I'm doing my job, I'm getting promoted, I'm going up the ladder. Tell us a little bit about that walk with God with you. So I'm going to tell you, be careful what you ask God for, because he answers, really does. Um, I, so I, I was working in the, the hospital, and of course, by this time, I was working as a manager, was managing a, a large unit. And I remember going to one particular, I, before I realized when, as I walked on the floors, I realized that especially individuals with diabetes and hypertension, um, that they, it's almost as though they don't know what they don't know. Mm. Like they thought everything that they were doing was right. right. And they don't know that they don't know. But backwards a little bit, a few, like maybe a year before that, I realized I was hypertensive two years before that. And I, been, I was primarily you know, vegetarian eating and stuff and exercising. But I was like, here I am suffering with hypertension. And so the Lord showed me, I remember going on a 21-day fast. <clears throat> and then I recognized that my blood pressure, I almost passed out in my garden. And I thought to myself, wow. the only thing that I could, I'm like, what is it? No, I didn't need medication. And I found out that it was my diet, but the only thing that I couldn't eat during this raw was flour. I love flour. I love dumpling. I love all that stuff, but mm -hmm. I couldn't use flour. And then I recognized through research that for me, that the hypertension was directly linked to the wheat. There was a protein in it. And so I thought, this is ridiculous. I am eating my stuff. I love my bread. And so after I was kind of cured for two weeks, for a week or so, I said, let me try it. And so I went back to eating wheat and like clockwork, the next day, my blood pressure was through the roof. Oh, wow. And then it lasted for two or three weeks before it came down. Then I recognized I could not ingest wheat. 
Mm. And that, and for the most part, people would say, but that doesn't make sense. But the truth of the matter is there's a direct correlation with that. So mm. that was cured. I definitely needed to be on medication. So now I don't suffer with hypertension anymore. But moving forward, <clears throat> I recognize now my husband um, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, and this was not fun because he was getting worse instead of getting better. He started taking the medication. He started doing everything, but it wasn't working. Mm. And so, you know, my husband being Jamaican, man, he loves his Jamaican food. Like most of us Jamaican, we love right. all Jamaican food, which is not good for us, some of it. And so, <laughs> but still good. And so I said to him, I said, let me help you. Let me help you. Um, and he says, you're going to put me on grass and yeah, I don't want to eat grass. And no, you, you, you know, and I remember he used to jokingly says, you know, when the people are cutting the grass, you're paying people to cut the grass. All of that is food. And I said, you're not even, you're not even Joe. You're not even, it's not even funny, right. but this was his turn. And I said, let me do it. And he trusted me for, he says, okay, but you only have such and such time. And so we, we started this journey with um, helping him with his type 2 diabetes. And God would have it in that he taught me how to apply natural healing principles mm. in, the, in type 2 diabetes. And eventually he, was, he reversed his type 2 diabetes. Wow. So he went from being hypertensive, diabetic, on medication, overweight, to no medication, no hypertension. Now he has lost weight and he's healthier than I am. Wow. And doing much, much better than I am just by this reversal of the type 2 diabetes. Wow. And so what happened is, as I walked now in the hospital, my eyes were different. Mm. Here I was seeing these 40-year-old, these 50-year-old coming mm. in with a stroke, the amputation, right. you know. And I, my heart started to break. I remember one particular day I stood over a patient. I was rounding. And as a nurse manager, I had the opportunity to wear. And I just had to make sure everything was. And I remember standing over a patient. And I saw here was this 40-year-old man, 45 mm. or something. And he was complaining because the care was horrible because they would not give him the food that he wanted to eat. He had had an amputation of the right leg. He was on dialysis and getting ready for another amputation. And there was no correlation between what we eat and what was going on in his body. And my heart broke because I recognized that there was a dearth of knowledge that people we have been led to believe that this disease is progressive and that's their life's just going to go without understanding that God give us principles of health that we can apply right. to, to healing. And right. so I recognize that I, it's like I, I was walking around and I was like, I, there was something that just was not right. I, I couldn't, there was, I, I knew that I thought to myself, how much longer am I going to do this? Because mm -hmm. And I couldn't know what I was going to do. I'd started doing lifestyle and wellness coaching as fun to help people from my diabetes, from my hypertension, but wasn't focused on it. Mm. I remember one day I was sitting at a conference as a leader and I remember taking out my book and I wrote and I said, Lord, I just want to be used by you. Mm. Make me humble. Do whatever you choose, but you choose. And it was February 28th. I still remember that date, February 28th, 2019. I wrote it on that book. Okay. And it's like my whole life turned upside down. It's mm. like everything started mm. to change. I ended up having to leave my leadership job and just everything started changing. And God started showing me what he was calling me to do. 
when COVID came around, I went back in the hospital and I saw those individuals who were diabetic and how they, it seems to me like every time a diabetic come through in the, in the ICU and was intubated, mm. that they are less likely to get out there. And my heart just broke. And I thought, there's going to be something else that's come around. People need to know. And so I made a bold decision to leave my job, to just resign and to pursue what I knew God was calling me to do. And that was to help individuals use a natural healing principle to reverse their type 2 diabetes. And so this is where I'm at now. And this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think I'm a little bit cuckoo, but I am very thankful because when I get to communicate, I recognize that, yes, the food plays a major role, but it's a spiritual and a psychological impact that is keeping us sick. Right. And it has no respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. And through this avenue, I get to connect with people at the soul and help to see how God can heal them. The, 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 what we do is just the, the foods and the stuff we eat it's just obedience to God's word. Yeah. He's the one who does the healing. Yeah. He's the one who, who does the healing. Right. So you gave up your big salary job, leadership, manager, nurse, and, <laughs> and all that luxury. I know you're, you're over in your little corner suffering, huh? <laughs> but um, tell, tell, us, tell us about um, your trust in God in doing that, though. How, how, yeah. yeah, because that takes a to lot take of trust. That- to journey, take that step to actually take that step and say i'm putting that behind i'm just going to focus on that how scary was that it as a matter of fact the the first time when i decided i was going to leave leadership it was it was very scary mm. but i remember afterwards and i went back in the icu and i was taking care of these very sick patients I remember the day when I was just sitting at the desk one day and it became clear. It's as though God said to me, you want to do this, but you have to put your foot in the water. Mm. It's like you have to put your foot in the water and no, you can't depend on anything else but me. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. And I remember And I remember going home and I gathered my family and I told my husband and he said, okay. He, I told him first and he said, I'll support you in the mm. journey. Amen. And then I had to tell my kids and some of my, when my kids says like, but mommy, that means we're going to be poor. I'm I like, know, right? Wow. I'm like we are not rich, but we have to take this journey. So it was at the beginning and it's continuously a roller coaster, but he keeps me grounded by reminding me that my feelings and what I see has no bearings on his presence or absence. Mm-hmm. And when that has that, those words that he's told me those years kept grounding me. So the journey is a journey of faith. It's yeah. a journey of faith. And I can tell you that every time I think I'm at that point where, and I'm like, okay, Lord, oh my goodness, he makes a way, he provides a way. He provides a way, but I can't, I can't bank on planning. I I can put my, put my plans to him, but he has to approve them and make them work. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Not leaning onto your own understanding. No, not leaning onto your own understanding at all. Right. Mm. Amen. 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 
so it's, so tell us tell us some exciting news what are you doing challenge yes I, I know you're doing so really exciting i'm so things. excited i'm so excited so july 1st um living all the live ministries which is my ministry we are launching a hundred mile challenge Ooh. and the hundred mile challenge the, the website is hundred mile finisher and i call it the hundred mile finisher because health and wellness is such that we all have great hopes oh i'm going to do this i'm going to do that but we never we we think about it and sometimes we never start sometimes we mm -hmm. start and we never finish mm -hmm. and right. god says i am the author and the finisher mm -hmm. so the 100 mile finisher challenge is a challenge that starts july 1st you can register um and you can you get a t-shirt you get one week live weekly coaching session where everybody comes together and if you walk two or three miles per week you would have finished a hundred mile by december 31st so you can say i'm a finisher Right. You see, we have to get to the point where we stop letting the enemy derail us from where God is leading us. Sure. And even though this is like just a walk, this signifies so much in our lives because a lot of times it's not that God has not given us clear direction as to what to go, but we get distracted along the way and we stop. But God says, you don't have to worry about how to finish because I am the author, I am the finisher, and I will take you through. So this health and wellness, as we coming out of COVID, we have to get to the point where we have to mm -hmm. trust God. Most people don't trust God with health and wellness. They trust him to say, Lord, heal me. But mm -hmm. there are criterias, mm -hmm. obedience, and it's not a legalistic stuff. It's just trusting the word of God. He cannot lie. His words cannot change. Right. And if he's going to change to, 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 for one thing, he's going to have to change for everything. And he says, if you abide in me, if you, uh, you walk by my, he says, I wish above all things. He didn't say, you know, I wish above, some, I wish above all things that all we things. prosper and be in good health. That's his desire for us. Mm -hmm. So that means if we, if we surrender to him, he will bring it to pass. So July 1st, we start our challenge and our, the website is 100 mile finisher. Mm -hmm. .com and you'll be able to go on. You can register. Um, you can register one or a group. And basically, yep. you'll get the motivation. You, as I said, you'll get, you get a T-shirt to say 100-mile finisher. You can go running, walk in. If you can barely walk, you can do it. But the aim is to start something and finish it, finish. but not in your own strength, but in the power of his might. Amen. And not only that, at the end of it, you end up getting better than you were. The, the year before and you can apply the principle of sticking to what you started to the finish to everything else in your life perfect Amen. perfect Amen. yep and and Love also that. faith without works is dead right faith without work is dead right so yes. with, with your faith you have to put in the work you know yes. so and uh trust yes. me myself and dawn man we're part of that challenge, you know it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yes, we're that. Yeah. We're, we're gonna put we're gonna put the uh, the website on the bottom of the screen now. Yeah. So yes. um, say it again for us. It's a hundred milefinisher.com. Hundred milefinisher.com. Yeah. And I say a hundred mile finisher because you're gonna finish. Yes. <laughs> because right. of the strength of God, you're gonna finish. So it doesn't matter what fitness level you are at. If you are a sprinter, a marathon runner, you can do it. If you were just, you never walk, and you said, even if walk two days a week, one mile per week, one mile per day, you'd have finished. The aim is to be, to persevere, mm. to persevere through the times when they said, oh, I don't feel like doing it. Mm. persevere to the end knowing that it's not your strength but it's the power of his might that brings you through 
Amen. 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 And it starts July 1st. So July 1st. July 1st. Until the end of the year. Yep. To December 31st. December 31st. Yeah, yeah we're down. Um, as a matter of fact, we're going to put that challenge out to our community, our My Testimony community. We're gonna we're gonna ask you guys to be a part of this challenge. Let's and all do it together. Let's all do, let's it, all together. do it together. You know, myself yes. and daughter know we're down for it. So, yeah, this yes. is awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. So, um, yeah, Barbara, before we wrap up, though, uh, I just wanna tell us a little bit more more about what you're doing on yeah, a your daily ministry. your ministry. Yeah. yeah. So my ministry that I do on a daily basis, I work with women and men too, primarily women. Through, uh, I have what we call a reverse type 2 diabetes program, which is a 12-week program where you sign up um, with me and we gradually take you through 12 steps of um, moving from, you know, where you, wherever you are to, to lowering your, med your hemoglobin A1C, lowering your um, blood sugar level and getting you off the medications and slowly... Um, even if you don't finish getting off by the 12 weeks, it moves you into to that part. So basically, type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle reversible disease. Mm -hmm. It is the seventh leading cause of death in this country. And right now, every one in three Americans are affected with type 2 diabetes, some pre-diabetic, some diabetes. It's the seventh leading cause of death. It's the number one cause of blindness. Mm -hmm. It's the number one cause of um, kidney failure. Mm -hmm. It's the number one cause of heart disease in women. It is one of those diseases that I call the silent deadly killer because you think it's okay. Right. And I always share the story. I said, when you think about how, when you tell your kids, you know, um, brush your teeth before you go to bed so that sugar doesn't stay on your teeth. Mm. It's the same thing. When you don't, um, when you, when the sugar is in your body and it is in excess and mm. it's causing this diabetes, it slowly starts deteriorating every aspect of your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it is so important. So I help women primarily and, you know, reverse type 2 diabetes um, going through step by step. So that's what I spent my day doing. I have clients that I work with. And so, yes, that's how I do it. Awesome. Right. So how can people get involved in that program? Well, for you to get in, the, um, if you are diabetic and you are interested in the program, you can all you can come to lifeabovetype2diabetes.com. Um, that's my site, and you put in your email. There is a video that you watch, and you come to me. You book an appointment, and we talk about how we can work through the program. So it's lifeabovetype2diabetes.com. Mm. Right, right, okay. right. Okay, so we'll put that mm -hmm. in as a link down below too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And uh, awesome. also, um, you just um, my curiosity is aroused right now. Um, give us a brief. What causes diabetes? Just, just briefly, give us a little background. So, type two diabetes is caused by. I'm going to tell you the truth of the matter. It, it's caused by our diet and our lifestyle. Mm. Now. Um, Yes, you may have a family history of type 2 diabetes that predisposes you, mm -hmm. but it doesn't cause it. Um, what you find out is that, and that, it's not only in America, but throughout the world, you find that it's becoming a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, it's an epidemic, want of a better word. It's an epidemic because more and more, now, now they're saying like 50% of the Americans are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. But it's basically an overabundance of sugar. So mm -hmm. our, our diet has become carbohydrate laden. And I'm not a no-carb, low-carb person, but 
if you notice it's, it's excess sugar where in your body gets to the point um, where it cannot process it anymore. Mm. So one of the key causes of type 2 diabetes, they, the, yes, the symptoms is high blood glucose, but the main cause is insulin resistance. Mm. And what happened with insulin resistance is that your cells can only hold us so, so much. So when you, and we tend to eat, people eat around the clock. They're constantly eating. Everything is loaded with sugar, 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 sugar. And everything is high carbohydrate because they've taken out a lot of the fiber to make to for the shelf life. And so the carb content of the carb consumption of America has doubled. So it's just, it's lifestyle. It's lifestyle and our diet. Um, and just varying from the laws of health. Because when you think about it, we, we eat right around the clock. <laughs> we eat late up into the night. We don't yeah. rest. Mm-hmm. But the main reason is a high overconsumption of glucose and the body inability to process it because our cells have become resistant to insulin, which is a key that opens the door to the cells that allow our body to utilize the energy. And that's because the cells have become so full, they can't take anymore. So when the insulin comes knocking on the door to open, then, you know, the cell says, no, I've had enough. And so just like anything else, they build up on a resistance and say, I can't take any more. So that excess glucose is deposited as fat, is deposited in the liver, is deposited everywhere, and it starts destroying the body. So the aim to stop it, you have to stop the cause. And the cause is not, the cause is is the carb, but you have to stop it at the cellular level. What stops the the insulin resistance? Mm Right. So a lot of processed food and lack of exercise too, right? A lot of processed foods, lack of exercise and nonstop eating around the clock. Mm. (laughs) If we eat real foods, if we eat real foods and we eat what give our body what it needs, Mm. we will heal naturally. And that is why most individuals, when they are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, when they lose, start losing weight, they start eating more real foods um, and less processed foods, then they start to see major, major impact. Exercise, water, this is the eight laws of health, mm. rest, all of it applied. And right. those are I also in, use in my program to help people reverse type 2 diabetes. But it, 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 it's, it's due to our lifestyle and our eating habits and our lack of activity and our overprocessed food and the desires to eat more than anything else. Right, wow. right, right, right. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm glad you touched on rest, though, because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize how important rest is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realized that... Um, throughout um throughout this year actually because mm. um, i started to to um make an effort to go to bed on time and i it mm-hmm. makes a big difference big big difference with my mm-hmm. energy level and and even with my weight and everything so um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yeah, um rest is very important it it's, is it's not, it's not just eating it's not just um the, the exercise but the rest rest we have to and and, and i know um during the summertime now um, now it's a very, the sun goes down late and it comes up early. So we tend to be, I'm struggling right now to tell you the truth <laughs> with my rest. I'm not getting as much sleep. Um, so, uh, touch upon that a little bit though, the importance of rest. So, you know, most people, we tend to, especially in our, in this country, we go to bed late. Mm. So the rest, if you have to remember, rest means restorative. So it is to restore the cells. Now, if you are, and just think about it, it, it's, it's, 
it's rest is just as Allah says, remember the Sabbath day, rest is that we rest in this assurance that we have God, but our bodies also needs physical rest in the sense that and when we eat, when we eat late at night, mm. our stomach spends all night working. So there's no rest. So there's no restoration right. taking place. So if you eat late at night and you go to bed and the energy that is to be used to restore the rest of your body is spent digesting all this food, mm -hmm. then you wake up like a truck run over you. Yes. But also you, it's important to go to bed. Most people go to bed 10, 11. Between the hours of 9 and 12 is when your body has that restorative sleep. Wow. Wow. So it's important that, and you, 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 you have to... Rest has to be intentional. Yes. You have, just as you said, you have to be intentional, plan your day, get in bed, make the environment conducive to sleep because your body, you could be doing everything you possibly can. And if you're not resting, your body will not have the opportunity to heal itself. But when you think about how the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day, mm. just imagine the magnitude that God ex put on the Sabbath day, mm. how rest is important. I mean, it's, it, resting in Christ is just just the assurance that he's got you. Right. He made our bodies in such that everything in nature rests. If you mm -hmm. look at it, the night, the day, the everything rests. Everything rests. We are the only ones who feel like we want to we go by going. and still function optimally without no rest. Mm -hmm. Now, as I was saying before that, it's important that we try to get to bed before about nine, between nine and 12, those four hours are very, very important when it comes to restoration, sleep, restoring, because our bodies need the energy to restore. And how does diabetes, like I, with my clients, I a whole module is focused on resting mm. because you have to develop the habit of resting, not only laying down, but allowing your body to rest so that the energy that is used to can be used to restore the cells that have been damaged or restore the end the parts of the body so mm -hmm. you have to make sure you eat at a certain time so that your food is digested so that when you go to lay down all that energy can be used to do what it was meant to do to restore the cells and to restore the functions of your body mm -hmm. and especially when you're diabetic or any medical problem you need that restorative sleep you need all the energy yep. available to be spent in restoring so it's important. That's why even in the LNG, why tells you, you know, you know, in, in healing that you, you shouldn't really eat so late into night. No. You know, you should give yourself your stomach a chance to rest. So rest of the body, the physical body, rest of the mind, mm -hmm. rest of everything is important. So if, if you really want to jumpstart your weight loss, if you want to jumpstart your ability to function more effectively. Right. Focus on rest. And I know the world tells us, oh, you have so much to do. But listen, it's better you work three hours intentionally having rested fully than six hours not because you only spend one third of your brain accomplishing anything. You can accomplish more in three hours yeah. than you do in eight hours when you rest. Yep, I've experienced that personally. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're, you're so right with it. So. Mm. Yeah, it's not because um, you can work an eight hour day and for what, four or five hours, you're not productive because mm. you just mm -hmm. can't concentrate, you know, so it's so true. Wow. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So, Baba, thank you so much again uh, for coming on my testimony and sharing your personal testimony and, and how God is leading you and, um, 
and uh, we just pray that he just continues uh, to bless you and don't don't worry about anything god is going to take care of you mm. You know. He has always done that. I can I cannot not even trust him anymore. Well, there's no other way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There's no other way. Yeah. So, um, so Dawn, you're going to um, sure. pray to close this out. Loving Father, what an amazing testimony you've taken my sister on. So many different aspects of her life where she was able to see you working and see your hand in everything that she was doing. And I thank you for the conversion to help her to be able to come to the point now where she can just give back to you as mm -hmm. she helps others. So let that be our story, Lord. Let that be the story that we actually are obedient to you so that you can do wonders in our lives so that we can reach out to others and truly be ready to meet you face to face. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, All right, Barbara. So uh, tell us about that challenge again, man. We're on that challenge, man. Yeah, Just it's a hundred mile finisher. And it doesn't matter finisher. what level of fitness you are. Mm -hmm. Just walking. Just walking, say, three or two miles per week, you would have been able to say, yes, I finished a hundred mile by December awesome. 31st. So it's a hundred mile finisher dot com. And for this challenge, what you get, of course, you get the T-shirt. Um, you sign up, you get T-shirt. You also get that ability to join me or different people once a week. And you just mm -hmm. get a, a whole camaraderie. You get a tracking sheet mm -hmm. and you get the ability to say, I finish 100 miles. Yeah. Awesome. And not only that, it sets the pace, not only for just this, but for you to not only start things, but to finish them and to trust in the power of the might of God, who is the author and the finisher who brings you through in every situation amen amen, amen. amen. love amen. it love awesome. it love it awesome. and i know by the end of that hundred mind finisher that is not going to be the finish it's going to continue. continue i know for sure because <laughs> when you get into that lifestyle yeah. you don't want to change yes 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 That's the it is something that will help you to it transform all all levels so. yeah. amen awesome. amen awesome. All right, Barbara. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. We're going to be joining you. Um, you know, make sure you have our T-shirts ready because we're ready. <laughs> yes. We, we have the My Testimony for you. We have this T-shirt for you. So we'll, we'll do. Yes. Yeah. We'll do a T-shirt exchange. T-shirt. But, but most certainly. Most certainly. <laughs> All right, then. So we'll see you out there on the 100 Mile uh, Finisher um, yes. on July 1st because we're definitely starting. On July 1st. July 1st. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. And may God bless you guys. <laughs>